0: Today on Locked On Canadians, Martin St. Louis' first win, Cole Caulfield is in God mode, and the Friday mailbag.
1: You're Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 555 of Locked On Canadians, your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube, and you can subscribe on all platforms. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined by Scott Matla, normally of Hab's eyes on the prize, but today of Extremely In His Feelings. Hi, Scott. How are you doing?
1: Uh, so, I, I would like to apologize. I kind of jumped the gun on the Canadians Blues games after Pavel Bujanevich scored with about a minute and 20 seconds left. I went, This is why we can't have nice things. The team played well. They did all these things great. And it was exciting. And they're going to lose because one dude decided, I'm going to put this little puck right over the goalie's shoulder, unstoppable. And I'm like, Well, this sucks. They're going to lose again. And then I sent my stupid little tweet off into the void in which I was immediately proven wrong as Cole Caulfield scored to tie the game and sent it into overtime. Martin St. Louis bouncing around on the bench after his win. Josh Anderson and Arturi in are fist bumping. Jeff Petrie and Cole Caulfield are hugging in, in, after an overtime win. I am very deep into my feelings tonight because we haven't had <laughs> a win in a month. Since they, January
0: 19, I think?
1: 18th. January 18th, yeah. It's been a month. It's been 10-game losing streaks and just miserable, miserable hockey. And now they finally got a win. It's hard to not like what we saw tonight against St. Louis, who's a good team against one of the best goaltenders in the NHL so far this year in Billy Huso, and they did the damn thing. And it's not hard to be excited about that, honestly.
0: I'll do you one better Um, when... Before Cole Caulfield tied the game, I was like, oh, this game is over. I'm going to go to the washroom. And then I come out of the washroom and there's celebrations all over the place. So I missed not only that game tying goal, but I also missed the win.
1: So, didn't we learn in the playoffs, though, is that when you have to go to the bathroom, they do amazing things and that's why they <laughs> win games in that you watched an entire game. Was it the Toronto series? No, it was watched? in
0: the Vegas series. I, I had to go to, like, cause they, I think Vegas scored first. I think something happened. I can't remember. And then I went to the washroom and the Canadians tied it. I remember Josh Anderson, Josh Anderson scored. So I went to the washroom. I came back out. And Vegas scored again, so I had to take my iPad into the washroom and literally just sit there for like two and a half hours. I did come out in the intermissions, though. I just I I, I only watched the literal gameplay in the washroom. But that's kind of how it is with this team, and it's fun to be having fun again. And honestly, it's it's one win, right? one win in four games for Martin St-Louis. It is his first win, as he said, post-game. He's happy about it, but he's a lot happier for his dad, who was starting to get a little bit stressed out about him not having any wins. But Scott, I think you'll agree with me in that these four games, that, you know, one win in four games, the habits of the Montreal Canadiens have been getting better.
1: And, and that's the thing, is this entire game was good habits and good effort. And I think that that just... Or, distills down to the point there is effort. The Canadians don't get back down the ice, score that goal with the goalie pulled. If Brendan Gallagher, in a game that is completely meaningless to the Canadian season this year, doesn't go diving Superman, swipe the puck away from an empty net, and avoid hitting the net and knocking it off its moorings, as John Liu pointed out, which would have been a defensive zone faceoff, and they can't get set up at the other end of the ice to score that goal with Cole Caulfield. Effort, And we saw that all over the place, even when things were tough in this game, like when the blues are pushing in the third period, the effort was there. It didn't feel like no one was trying or wasn't trying. Everyone pulled their weight tonight. Samuel Montembeau was very good. I thought, and I'm writing an article about this for Eisenbryce. Corey Schuneman was very surprising. And I think the biggest thing is Jeff Petrie, who has had such a brutally tough season, Has begun to look more and more like the Jeff Petrie we know he can be. He rang a really nice shot off the crossbar after he, you know, kind of skated backwards, found a shooting lane, and he clanged it off the inside of the upper 90 there. And he set up Cole Caulfield's overtime winner. And it's, he had an assist. um, I can't remember if it was the uh, overtime or the one to get to overtime or if it was on Paul Byron's goal, which we haven't even talked about that. Paul Byron played his 500th NHL game and scored his goal tonight. And I'm just, So full of feelings in this game here, and that (laughs) this is the kind of way I want them to play. They're not going to win every game because sometimes posts aren't going to go their way. Sometimes the puck's going to bounce off Montembeau's butt and go in the net. It happens, but the process is there. We weren't seeing that with Dominique Ducharme's system, in that it looked like five guys skating on the ice at any given time. This time it was get the puck, get it deep get chances, play off the rush, play with speed. And they did that. There were a lot of guys and a lot of people who are looking to pull their weight now because they know Tyler Tafel is gone. There isn't a soul on this team I think is considered safe unless you're Caulfield, Suzuki, or Romanov. And everyone's got to put that effort in. Even the guys who are safe are putting in that effort too because you know what? They're sick of losing and we're sick of losing. And they went, you know what? No, we're getting this win and I, I can't wait to be potentially wrong about this again. Can they build on it against the Islanders in the next game? Systems are the, the concepts are in place. Teams playing better hockey. Let's see what they can do this weekend.
0: So I think one of the things that you mentioned that I did want to touch back on is uh, five guys just skating around the ice. For a long time, we criticized their play in this season because they all look like they had just met each other for the first time. And they looked like that every game. That's not something that we want to see. We want to see people who have confidence and who, even if they make like Martin St. Louis said, you know, I'd rather my guys make the wrong reads than make no reads at all. Even if they made mistakes, they would at least be making an effort to play together. And that's something that has uh, dramatically improved over the last four or five games. That's something that they're obviously going to have to build on. I just want to touch on something real quick. Uh, Scott, we have very, very little time, but now that the, both the US and Canada men's teams have been eliminated, I just wanted your thoughts on uh, Sean Farrell's tournament.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the women's game for a second. I'm like, I'm not prepared. No, to no, I'm going to right. brag
0: about that later when I have time. <laughs> this is a very short amount of time. I just I... want some small assists, boy, praise. Or is it now small goals, boy, 2.0 now that the way that given the way that he's played?
1: Small. I, I can't even go small college goals boy because they're both small college goals. boys. I, I think Farrell, obviously a lot of his points came in that game against China, but at the same time, I still think he assessed himself or um, put himself in a good position there. I think he's played really well at Harvard this season. He's already said he's going back for at least next year, which is fine. He did lose a year of his development. And I think it was good for a lot of people to see what he's capable of I don't think he's going to be an elite goal scorer at the NHL level by any means, but I think he's got the smarts and the vision to become a really nice playmaker and, you know, chip in some goals there. I'm very happy with the way that went. If you told me that he was going to be one of the top scorers in the men's tournament, I would have been like, did everyone else like die? Like, (laughs) but it's a really solid tournament from him. Um, Obviously coach didn't play him a ton. He's still one of the younger guys on the team. Across the board, though, it's not hard to be happy with what we saw there.
0: And, you know, that's the thing. is like I look at him as a secondary scoring kind of guy. He's not going to be the anchor of your team, but he's always going to be the kind of guy that you want on your team in order to be able to get far, right? Like that's the way that I look at it. There's, you know, there's a Jake Evans type of guys that are the defensive version of that, and then there's a Sean Farrell type of guys that are providing your additional play, additional offense. That's kind of how I want to see him and based on what you're saying right now, that's that's definitely a positive. And we are going to turn our attention to the mailbag right away. I have been uh, wait. I've been I've been rambling on enough. But before we get into the mailbag, just want to remind everybody that Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It is delicious. We love Built Bar on this podcast. I use it as breakfast because I can't be bothered to make breakfast and then I find myself hungry in the middle of the day um, and cranky and also not able to focus on my work. Uh, so Built Bar is great for that because you wake up. I even put it in front of my computer at my workstation in my, in my home office so that I wake up and the first thing I have is a Built Bar. It is full of protein. It gives you so much energy it is low in sugar and it is so delicious they're all made with real chocolate they've occasionally got like these crazy special edition flavors that are always delicious but their 18 regular flavors are really good as well and like I said, they're going to give you that energy, whether you're about to hike, whether you need an on-the-go pick-me-up, whether you need a snack that's a treat, but also will tide you over until your next meal, whether, you know, before or after workout and before or after a workout. And like I said, we swear by these bars and you will too. If you want to try them, go to built.com and enter promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's built.com, enter promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Thanks for making Locked On Canadians your first listen every day. But make sure to also check out Olympic Hockey Daily presented by Locked On NHL. That's a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. Well, right now the hockey tournaments are ending, but uh, Anne and Rachel and Erica have done such a great job over the past two weeks. So you do not want to miss their tournament wrap ups. You're going to find it on the Locked On NHL podcast feed. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said, Our fellow Locked On hosts have really killed it. You really want to check out all those episodes. They've been fantastic. And a note, Erica Ayala has been in Beijing. So we're getting a lot of inside information. But we're going to turn ourselves right now. We're going to turn our attention to the mailbag. But I just want to take a moment real quick and brag about Team Canada. (laughs) Um, We didn't make a bet this time. Which we kind of should have. I feel like Scott's always going to end up on the losing end of these things, which is why I'm volunteering to eat something disgusting on video. If we get to 500 subscribers by March... First, also, we have like a massive guest that we're lining up, like massive, actually, truly massive guests that we're lining up in the next couple of weeks. So, you really want to be subscribed on YouTube. Just look for Locked On Canadians and click that subscribe button. Um, and at some point, uh, I will learn to make a bet on this team because they are a phenomenal hockey team like I was watching it last night and I was like you know emotional investment at this point it's it's like you know I'm too old for that I'm, I'm just enjoying just how delightfully good Team Canada's women are um and I do think that you know it was a fun game and I did in before the game actually started I was actually quite quite nervous that the USA was gonna pull the win out uh but all of this to say is I think I've 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 uh, made Scott feel bad enough <laughs> um, for 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 that. And I will start with our first mailback question. Actually, it's two mailback questions that come from Jamie in our, our mail in our email. So if you ever want to email us any questions, thoughts, comments, you can email us at canadians at gmail.com. And Jamie did just that. Two questions for you this week. One question one: Are NHL players allowed to wear a full face cage if they want to? And if so, why don't they?
1: <laughs> I The weird part is that I believe they are allowed to. Uh, they just can't not wear a visor unless they were grandfathered in, which there are not many players of that era left. Uh, I think a lot of them don't because it restricts some vision that they might see that might restrict peripheral vision. And when you're playing at the NHL level, uh, that can be tough if you can't always see when you got to be looking over your shoulder and and I, I know that this is a, a gift that we can use with this episode. Uh, the men are not okay and refuse to wear that because it's not tough. So, you know, it's, it, it is kind of dumb. And I, I, I prefer I play with one when I go and play hockey because I don't need a puck hitting me in the mouth because I don't have an NHL doctor on staff to fix my teeth. So I believe they can it's just a lot. Don't opt for it just because of it impairs vision and stuff when you're out on the ice.
0: Yeah, I feel like the only time you ever see it is when a player's injured in the face somewhere, um, and they're trying to protect that injury from getting more injured. And then this one, we had a little bit of fun with this one this evening prior to recording. This one will test your hockey knowledge. Brad Marshand received his eighth suspension for a total of 28 games this week. Not including players who have received a lifetime ban from hockey, who has the most games suspended in history? Not the most suspensions, the most games. I have no idea. I just thought I would send Scott down a wormhole. Well, it was Scott and myself and our friend Kyle Demetrius of Locked on Sharks. And there are two players that are in the running for this. Scott you want to do
1: the honors <laughs> so the, the easy one for me was to was rafi torres who was suspended for 25 games and 41 games uh, in separate incidents of garbageness on the ice and then <laughs> garbageness. It, garbageness uh there's other words i wanted to use but this is a family friendly podcast so uh, <laughs> and the other one was i believe it was chris simon who was suspended 15 games for whacking a dude in the face with a stick i believe that was michael Holloweg. Of the New York Rangers, and then he also stepped on someone walking off the ice. He sees the guy there, and with his skate, stomped on him. And I believe he got twenty-five games for that. And I got it. I believe they're the ones with the most total games, without having done a deep dive. But I want to say that is those are the two options here, at least in terms. So they're of both in I, the
0: like sixty something.
1: Yeah, Rocky Torres, I think Kyle said was seventy-one games, and Chris Simon was at sixty something, which is a lot. Sixty-five,
0: I think. Yeah, that—that's what—that's what the the, the men were able to discover. If we're wrong, please trivia heads, please tell us if we are wrong, um, and we will correct ourselves on our next episode all right so then we've got our twitter questions if you want to tweet us questions you can always tweet us at lo underscore canadians so either either method is fine you can request topics you can send us mail questions um, you can also complain about brad marchand on there if you want uh that's okay any three one jokes it was three one jokes those are welcome on both our feeds as well uh, scott we've got you're waving I- at me is there news
1: no, I think I might have an answer, though, but I don't know if this counts. Um, Slava Vojnov was suspended for 10 and a half years from the NHL.
0: That does not count.
1: Because it was off ice, correct? Like, that doesn't count, correct?
0: Yeah, like, they were just like, you have domestic violence in your record. You can't play in the NHL for that.
1: I, I, I am looking at this. Uh, I do. Todd Bertuzzi got suspended for 17 months. 20 games, 13 regular season games, plus seven playoff games. Alexander pergosen was suspended 89 games when he played for the Hamilton Bulldogs when he slashed Garrett Stafford in the head. He uh, was suspended for the entire following season in the AHL. That's... I
0: Why? <laughs> Why, are the men okay?
1: Men? Or, again, are the men okay? And the answer is no. So um, <laughs> the answer is always no. I do think the answer is Rafi Torres, though, at least based on this, because I've already seen his name pop up twice. He got 21 games for an ele- check to the head of Hosa. Originally, 25 games were reduced to 21 for some reason, and he followed that up by immediately hitting someone the next season. So uh, I'm going to stick with my uh, with my uh, Rafi Torres pick here.
0: I think you're right. All right. We have time for one question in this. All segment. right.
1: And this comes from Randy Hansen. Who do you hope gets hired to head an expanded or created analytics department for Montreal? Someone like Jack Hahn, perhaps? Jack Hahn, perhaps?
0: Jack Hahn is very smart. I think he's incredibly intelligent. Uh, I, I do think, though, that uh, if you're building a team, you need a team. And I will say this, and I'll go on the record as saying this. I think. Allison Lucan, who currently does TV for the Seattle Kraken, uh, is somebody who I would love to see hired by the Montreal Canadiens, not because she's somebody that I'm a fan of personally, but because she's really good at interpreting data. She's good at understanding data. She's good at presenting data, and she's good at translating data to the layperson. So she's somebody that I think would be really great at kind of talking to players if they want, coaching staff if they want, the management staff, kind of bridging that gap between the analytics and, the, and, and, and the, the, the actual, you know, players and, and, and front office. I think that like Jack Han would be really good as a pure like research and data gathering person, creating plans and things like that. But I feel like Allison can kind of bridge that gap. And that would be where I would start. Like I would start there. Like there's like, I would build an entire team. You're the Montreal Canadiens. You've got a lot of money, just like get the best people and get the best data.
1: I agree with that. And we've had Alison on this show two or three times, maybe more. It's been a lot of episodes. So you can actually listen to how she interprets things. She's phenomenal. And I would any team that would be able to have her in their front office in some way, shape, or form, I think would be truly lucky. Seattle has a very good one there. She is outstanding at what she does. And I think that it's only a matter of time before – An NHL team comes calling full time, especially with the moves we've seen teams like uh, Vancouver make in recent weeks.
0: Right, exactly. And, and I absolutely agree with that. But I think Jack Hunt is a, is a good is a good uh, suggestion by Randy, because he is he's really smart. He's really good at the hockey research and observation aspect of it and, and sort of pulling information that you need. Uh, he's good at tactics and stuff. So definitely, those would be uh, very, very high on my list. That's where I would start. But my dream hire is Allison Lucan. All right, we are going to get to the rest of our Twitter questions in just one moment. But first, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing and ufc odds right to the olympic coverage and information head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action because bet online is where the game starts all right scott what do we have in the mailbag I, i i sense that there were some difficult questions out there
1: Uh, This one comes from at K chirps. You get to snatch a defenseman from any team who and why.
0: I think Victor Hedman is currently the best defenseman playing in the NHL, but he's a veteran. uh, So I would get Adam Fox.
1: Uh, That's I wasn't expecting that. Uh, (laughs)
0: Why (laughs) you disagree?
1: No, I know I don't. That's the thing is that there's a lot of like really good defensemen out there. I, I look at someone like an Aaron Eckblad, uh, someone, um, I almost said Drew Doughty, and that's just a lie. Um, no, we
0: are not getting Drew Doughty in this market. He is washed up and he's an old school defenseman. We've had enough of that. We want modern defensemen in the NHL.
1: I think someone like Adam Fox, I do think someone like Aaron Eckblad would be really nice. Victor Hedman's always a really good choice. Uh, And I really like Oliver Shillington from the Calgary Flames as well. He was on waivers. He's
0: underrated.
1: He is. And that's why I think he could be a huge piece of this team going forward because you got to figure Sherratt's gone. They're likely losing Petrie in the near future. They're going to be losing Kulak. Someone like Oliver Shillington is that guy who can take that next step, I think, and be a part of this team for the future. So he's my underrated pick, but I'm going to have to probably go with Victor Hedman just because Dude can eat minutes, play in all three he's zones. literally
0: the best defenseman in the NHL right now. Yes. Yes.
1: Uh this comes from Randy Hansen. You can have as many coaches as you want for player development. What skill do you hire a coach for first?
0: A mental skills coach. <laughs> um, I was
1: gonna say the same thing. I'm like, can we get a sports psychologist in here to be like, hey, you're just gonna work with Jeff for like a week? Okay, because like we need him back pretty badly. <laughs> Uh, besides that, my first thought is skating, always skating. It's a speed league and we look at the, we saw it against the blues and that they use some of that finesse, uh, teach more dudes to do finesse things and put more pucks in the net because that's how you win hockey games. Right?
0: Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that this management team looks like the type of team that would hire a skating coach. I would not be surprised if they, if they beef that up, uh, and also goaltending, (laughs) <laughs> they need a lot of things. This 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 team right now.
1: uh this one comes from Emily. Where in the rule book does it say we can't sign some from someone from Team Canada?
0: I'm honestly not sure, but if we're getting our pick, I think I think we should start with Marie Philippe Poulin. <laughs>
1: like, well, duh. I mean, why not? Like, come She's on. a Quebecer.
0: She's the literal best hockey player in the league um she's she's a hometown girl like i i you know
1: i i have had two names that's where i would start i have two names that i've always that i want that if it was possible is that you sign Marie philippe poulain and you sign hillary knight two of the former um the fabs as they were called when they were here in montreal (laughs) the Canadian, yes thank you because i'm not going to and they're also
0: montreal based uh they're they're both montreal based so
1: yes and now i want a line that is just Poulin, Knight, and then Caulfield, where Caulfield will be the shortest person on that line still, and that's hilarious. Because <laughs> Hillary Knight's as tall as I am. Like compared to Cole Caulfield, she's gigantic, and I yeah. really, really need that because I think it's gonna it she's would be a amazing. little a foot
0: taller than I am.
1: She, she's you've been you've been in her presence, so you know how yes. tall she is. Yes. Uh, we have one from Goalie Droid. What trade would you hate to see? Not necessarily because of what the Habs would get back but because the player would be on a team that you can't stand or support. So now he has to be dead to you.
0: Well, Leafs fans have been coveting Jeff Petrie. So that is, that to me is, is the worst one.
1: It's not like, going to happen. I can't. They're getting Ben Sherratt and they're going to like it. And you're going to have to deal <laughs> with that because I'm going to go back into my mentions from the playoffs and I'm going to read it. All that bull crap y'all were talking about Ben Chirac, <laughs> and watched you try and talk him up as the guy who's going to maybe get you out of the first round for the first time in forever. And when he doesn't, I'm going to laugh all the way to the bank with my brand new shiny Topi Niemela or a first round pick and go haha. and then watch you panic for an entire offseason while nothing changes. But we're not going to delve into that too much because I don't have the energy to do that again. Uh, from Jeff the Red, when the dust has settled after the trade deadline, how many first-round picks do you think the Habs will have in 2022 and 2023? They so have... in
0: 2022, they currently have three, but one is going to Arizona? Is that?
1: Yes. Uh, the lower of ours or Carolinas goes to Arizona. Carolina and... pick. Yes, which, duh, because uh, the Habs are going to finish in the draft lottery and it's draft-protected. So no matter what they default to the lower of the two picks and they have one for 2023 right now as well, unless the flames somehow fall into the draft lottery and then that regresses to 2023. I think they end up with at least four, potentially five depending on who comes out of the trade deadline. Honestly,
0: this year, I think I I'm looking at four for this year and then I feel like they're going to try next year to have another three or four in the first round.
1: I think a lot too depends on do they want guys who are on the cusp of being NHL ready prospects and they can, you know, rebuild that way, which is the same as, Hey, we drafted these guys here and we have them in the system now. And I think the Ben Chirot trade is going to be very telling of that. Is it just going to be a first round pick and like some guy to make salary work, or is it going to be, here's a prospect, a second round pick. And that'll be very telling. I think of what they want. Uh, it's going to be exciting. That's for sure. Because I like both of these things. Cause I like prospects as a hockey person.
0: Right. And that's the thing. Like we love prospects, but you can't have all these entry-level contracts coming to an end at the same time.
1: That, yeah. That's well, ask Toronto how that went. It doesn't go well <laughs> for you. So
0: yeah, you got to stagger it. So that's why I, I like a good mix of picks and prospects. All right. What else have we got in the mailbag?
1: Uh, one more from Jeff, the red will the flames be your playoff team this year yes yes subscribe to scorch stack duh yes. this is the only answer <laughs> i i am rooting for tyler tofolio but i do generally actually like the flames i've always had a soft spot for them because they're in the west and we only see them twice a year and it's usually not very stupid when we play them and their fans have been chill enough in my mentions so uh always good with the flames yes
0: uh, subscribe to scorch Sh- stack they to- had the tyler tofolio thing first <laughs> <laughs> always credit <Scorch> Stack.
1: <laughs> always credit the scorch stack or scorch will come to your house and when scorch comes to your house you no longer have a house so uh from Guy Guerin on Twitter I'm sorry if I mispronounced that Sherrod to Calgary in exchange for a first round pick and their current third line winger not Dubé the other one he kind of stands like a teapot sometimes question <laughs> mark
0: <laughs> I think I, you know what, I'm going to miss Tyler Toffoli so much, and I'm so glad that I'm not the only one. I'm so glad that, like, as a fan base, we all feel the same way.
1: I I absolutely love this idea, by the way, uh, but I do think if they're going to trade for anyone, it's going to end up being Dylan Dubé anyways, because that seems like something the Canadians would do. That's Uh, definitely
0: something the Canadians would do.
1: yeah. It's well, Mark Bergerman definitely would but probably trade for Lucic while we were at it, which just no, thank you. Uh, and one final question. This one's actually directed to me from uh, Kevin soon. Uh, First Scott, I'm an Ore- Oregonian, Oregonian, Gonian, Gonian,
0: Oregonian. I think, I think.
1: And a committed beer Homer. What's the perception of Oregon beer out East? Do people out there like it as much as we do, or are we just seen as one big IPA factory? So, Without getting too much into this, because we do have a limited time. And if I talk about beer, we're going to be here for three hours. Every state is becoming an IPA factory because it is the predominant style that is the most popular in terms of taps and in terms of what gets packaged, because that's what people are looking for right now. But I know places like DeGarde and other places out there have a very good reputation. And I think Oregon's a bit underrated because Washington's very good, and also California's right underneath it. I have, I think I have those states properly lined up here if not uh don't tell the government i swear um so they kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit there but uh we don't get a ton from the state which is hard because of distribution laws et cetera, et etc but i don't think it has a negative prescription as just an ipa factory i think people who know beer know what other places to look for out there same with any other state so there are great ipas coming out of oregon it is not just an ipa factory though
0: and with that, that is our Friday mailbag and we are going to return to being in our feelings over Martin St. Louis' first win and all the po- post-game comments coming out of that. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us and we will be back on Monday. In the meantime, if you ever want to send us a mailbag question, you can send it to us at lockedoncanadians@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find myself on Twitter at The Active Stick. You'll find Scott at Scott Matla. And please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube or both. Both is good, both is great. If you like this podcast, check out Lockdown Bets, where they are absolutely killing it lately.